I'm Jonathan Capehart and welcome to Capehart. Arnie Duncan was the ninth Secretary of Education and creator of Chicago Cred. Anna DeVere Smith is the renowned playwright and actress whose 1992 play Fires in the Mirror made her a pioneer of verbatim theater. Today, they are raising awareness about gun violence in very different ways, one on the stage and the other on the streets of Chicago. But they come together in an opera for Lyric Opera of Chicago called The Walkers. Smith is the librettist, and Duncan and the work of Chicago Cred are at the center of the story. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on March 27th, Smith and Duncan talk about the opera and why shining a spotlight in this way on the people scarred by gun violence is so important. And as we know, so many children and so many you know, you know, young people of color, black folks, just they get killed and they just, just disappear into the ether. So, so, and I'll start, and I'll start with you. The Walkers, as we know, is part of a trio of operas at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. Uh, briefly, tell me about the proximity program and how the Walkers fits into that overall program. Well, uh, Renee Fleming um, put together an evening of new operas. Uh, along with the artistic director, Anthony Freud. And Renee had seen my play, Notes from the Field, which is about the school-to-prison pipeline, and suggested that I write a libretto about gun violence in Chicago. I've never written a libretto before. Um, and she introduced me to Yuval Sharon, who's considered the disruptor, the modern disruptor of opera. And uh, also, uh, through Yuval, I met a composer, Daniel Romain. And, um, our opera, one of three, uh, along with an opera called Four Portraits uh, and an opera called Night, um, you know, all brand new works, right? And when I thought about the issue of gun violence in Chicago, which is, of course, uh, no news to anybody who's watching, I had learned about Arnie Duncan's extraordinary program, Chicago Cred. And I went to Arnie to see if he could introduce me to folks there so that I could um, have the environment and the community of Chicago cred be the, 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 the treasure chest, really, of interviews that I would be able to do to try to learn something about the issue, but also, um, you know, about a group of people who are doing something positive about it. And, and so, Arnie, um, oh, sorry, sorry, Anna, go ahead. Sorry. And, and so it's based on those interviews, some are verbatim excerpts and then some a language that I made up that I wrote the libretto for the opera and then turned it over to the composer. Mm -hmm. And so Arnie, since it, your name has been invoked and Chicago Cred has been invoked, talk about Chicago Cred and what does Cred stand for? Because Cred um, is, is an acronym. It stands for Creating Real Economic Destiny. Uh, the name came from the young men we work with and since returning home from D.C., we've been at this work for six and a half years. Uh, we are laser focused on serving those most at risk of shooting or being shot. Um, I always say it's the hardest work I've ever done. It's the most heartbreaking, but also I think the most inspiring, hopefully the most important. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find my notes here because um, in the research, it says that you, you went into the neighborhoods in the South Side and a guy came up to you, ran up to you and said, what are you doing here? And what was your, and if I'm not remembering the story right, please correct me, but what was your response to him and um, to that question? Well, I don't remember that anecdote specifically. There's a scene with that uh, in Anna's uh, opera. And I'll just say, it's not, this was not an easy thing for us to do. 
It's hard to let someone sort of into your the intimate work we do. Uh, Anna's a genius. She's someone we trust totally. And what she's done is is beyond extraordinary, beyond moving. It's um, I, I, I hate to admit, I've never been to an opera before. The first one I ever saw was the dress rehearsal uh, the other week with, with, with her. And she's handled this. Um, I can't tell you how much it means to us. And you say, you know, she's on the stage. I, I walked into work the other day and she's sitting at the table with our guys. I got to put her on the payroll. Like she she's in this stuff. She's she's in the trenches with us working. Is it? I want to keep going with I, you. Yeah, Anna, go I ahead. What I recall from the interview of Arnie, and, and, and I just want to say something about why it's such an important moment in the opera for me and for the director and for the composer, which is, Arnie, you told me that somebody asked you basically, what were you doing walking around the hood? You know, it's dangerous. What are you doing here? And your answer was, I'm here because you're here. I'm right. here because you're here. And the whole idea of proximity, I, I got that suggested that as a title from Ryan Stevenson's work, how he asks us to think about our proximity to those things that are troubling in our society and that we may feel very distant from. And by having that scene in the opera, I'm asking the audience to imagine what it is to have that idea of life. You know, I'm here because you're here. And that takes us to the philosopher Martin Buber uh, quoted, for example, um, in Martin Luther King's Birmingham. A letter from a Birmingham jail, the idea that we have choices, human beings, to treat our fellow humans like it or like you. I, I'm, I'm here because of you. I, you. Um, and so uh, that was, uh, you know, I talked to many people in Chicago, Cred, and the, so there's a lot of words and a lot of hours of interview. And I would say that anecdote from Arnie, I'm here because you're here, just really struck a chord with me and with all of us who were working on the opera. I want to talk to you about um, about how your technique in putting together the opera differs from uh, the uh, your previous shows, most of which I have seen. Um, but the Walkers, I think when people hear hear the the title, the Walkers, initially I thought, oh well, who are the Walkers? Meaning a family, but that's not you're not talking about a family when you're talking about the Walkers. Who are the Walkers, Anna? Maybe they're the, the human family. I mean, both in the experience of writing notes from the field and in uh, doing the research for the walkers, I've been so moved by the people who do not leave the rest of us behind, you know, or us. I mean, the rest behind, you know, the me people that I met working in juvenile halls when I wrote notes from the field, uh, the people who work in communities, people who work in schools, who, 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 who take care of, of the folks, um, you know, even when they're disappointed, you know, they just don't give up. The people who don't give up, who walk, who walk with those who uh, could possibly have a transformation. And so that's what the idea of the walkers comes from. And that's what I thought about um, the people who I met in Chicago cred, all of whom are really extraordinary and very positive people. I mean, full of joy, even given the fact of what they're doing um, is trying to help us put light in darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, Arne, your words are mentioned at the top of the opera, explaining the history of Chicago's gun, uh, uh, Chicago's gang violence. Uh, could you briefly, briefly explain that history? I don't think do it briefly. I'll try and do it. I'll try and do it quickly. But when I was growing up, there were a couple gangs in the black community: Blackstone Rangers, Gangster Disciples. My mother ran an after-school program in the neighborhood with the Blackstone Rangers, so I grew up with many of those young men. But 
you go back 30, 40 years, the, the leaders of those gangs were, were, were locked up by the feds. They've been locked up, unfortunately, for probably over 40 years now. But when you cut off the head of the snake, the snake doesn't disappear. Lots of heads emerge. So we, that structure is lost. I don't ever want to glorify or glamorize. There are lots of issues there. But the neighborhoods where we work on the south and west sides, in each individual neighborhood, there are usually between 30 and 40, I don't even call them gangs, just cliques. And so it's very decentralized, very fractured, uh, no structure. And so it makes the work very complicated. And we're always trying to get to every single different clique and then put in place non-aggression and peace, uh, non-aggression agreements and peace treaties between those groups, and then bring those individuals into our programming. How hard is that, Arnie? How hard is what? Bringing them in? You br bringing them in. Yeah, I mean, again, people need to sort of come out and see it because it's very counterintuitive. No one's winning on the streets now, Jonathan. They're getting shot. They're not getting rich. The police are chasing them. All of our work is just word of mouth. So you ask any of our guys, their brothers, their guys in the block, their guys in their group, they heard about it in jail and you know came and found us when they got out. And so people often say, oh, it's great you're giving people a, 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 first, you know, a second chance. I really reject that. I think in the vast majority of cases, we're given a first chance that every structure in their life, family, school, churches, failed them early, we're just giving them a very rational choice to make, and they're jumping at it. Yeah, I saw, I saw that, that very quote in, in uh, uh, an article about all of this, what you just said about, you know, this isn't a second chance for, for folks, this is a first chance, really the first chance um, um, some folks are, are given at, um, at a life um, that's not surrounded by violence. Anna. Let's dive into the walkers and the people who animate um, the opera. Um, it features the story of, of Yasmeen Miller. Uh, why did you choose to include her? What, tell us who she is. Uh, well, Yasmeen Miller is actually an extraordinary young lady. Uh, she's very strong. Um, the story is that she was driving to the laundromat uh, right during COVID. She was told to come back to work. She worked in, uh, with in childcare. Her little infant or her toddler, uh, a sincere Miller, was in the back of the car. The car was shot at. She was hit in the head, and uh, and sincere was killed. And this is something that I learned while interviewing a variety of people um, in Chicago cred that I learned about that story. And then I asked uh, Craig Nash, who is um, one of the outreach workers, uh, the Reverend Craig Nash, who is also an interviewee and also Paul Robinson, who works in the office, if I could possibly get to Yasmeen and speak with her. And I'm amazed and blessed that she gave me um, an interview. And, you know, um, Plays and operas are different. The librettist uh, actually doesn't have a lot of power um, in, in a play. If I write, uh, nobody can change a word, right? But the power is really it, with the composer. So I turned in a script, but the composer then can choose really what's most interesting to him when making the score. And the first thing he said when he read the script was, it's about Yasmin. And so the story of Yasmin Miller um, ends the play. One of the things that, or the opera, one of the things that moves me the most about Chicago Cred is that individuals in the staff uh, wanted Yasmin to see it, but were very concerned about how it might affect her. And so they actually came to two rehearsals and watched it and planned uh, uh, how they would be with Yasmin when she saw um, mm -hmm. the opera. 
she came opening night with her husband and with her mother-in-law and met the person who um, who uh, who sang that part of the opera and met the person who uh, played Arnie Duncan. And uh, and it was amazing. I mean, for all the care. And I've come up with an expression for Chicago cred, which is compassion informed transformation for all the care that the staff took about how she would react to seeing this reenact this 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 done uh, through song and beauty actually the story of what happened to her son i would say she was she was glowing mm. and how does that compare to because in the past what you've done in fires in the mirror uh and your other uh, verbatim theater pieces you do all the interviewing and then you do all you do all the acting of the actual characters and the composite characters and yet as you just described yasmin miller is performed by someone else. Um, and Yasmin, the real Yasmin, got to meet the person who was portraying her. I'm just wondering, as someone who is used to portraying the character, what was that interaction like for you to watch between uh, Yasmin in the opera and Yasmin, the real person? Well, I have to say that, you know, as a creator, that that's actually the richest and most exciting part to me about this entire project. You know, I'm very happy that I'm able to make use of the resources at the uh, Lyric Opera of Chicago to work with Yuval and to work with Daniel. But there's another, I wouldn't go so far as to call it collaboration, but there's another community that I got a chance to interact with, and that's the community of Chicago Cred. So for me to have Nicole Muhammad, who's the head of the Women's Center, come uh, to see a rehearsal along with Reverend Craig Nash and 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 just how they responded to seeing a rehearsal, not even the dress rehearsal, but just a run through. And then to have a chance that, you know, was Yasmin actually gonna come? And when she walked in the door and then there was an intermission and I was scared that she wasn't gonna come back and I'm running up and down the halls, down the aisle saying, where's Yasmin, is she, where is she? And then, you know, somebody brought her in and she's walking down the aisle to the, you know, like a, a movie star. And so I, I think, you know, part of my work, uh, I will say, is that, um, and I wonder if Arnie and I have anything about this in common. Um, I I think of the tape recorder as uh, really an excuse to get to strangers quickly. And in fact, it makes me feel more at one in the world to have these opportunities to go into community and meet people and if they open up to me. So I feel very unified when I have such an experience as that, Jonathan, to be backstage with uh, Thomas, who was the father of Sincere, um, uh, uh, with Yasmeen Miller, and to see her uh, with all of us uh, artists. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. And why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. 
monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Arnie, let's keep talking about uh, about Thomas Gaston, um, Sincere's father. Um, I read that you called the, that summer when Sincere and other children were killed by gun violence um, in Chicago as, quote, the hardest six weeks of my life. Um, talk about that time and talk about um, Thomas Gaston's involvement with Chicago cred. Yeah, I'm trying to do this and not not start crying here, but that was uh, that was sort of post George Floyd, and we had a couple participants, uh, staff, and then um, their 20 month old son, uh, sincere, killed. And we have amazing, you know, most days are amazing, and you know, Anna's gotten to see the the work, the, the transformational work that doesn't happen overnight, but over time, she's got some sense for that. But we also deal with honestly too much heartbreak. And being with their family the day after Sincere was killed, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. And Thomas's reaction, Yasmin's reaction, you know, the other family members, it, it's, um, I, can't, I can't begin to put words to it. Um, that is the hardest, we've never lost a baby before. And what made it particularly hard is Thomas often brought him to our program. We, he was like our first cred baby because Thomas was trying to get his life together and did not, you know, dad was working, didn't always have childcare. So he would just bring him with us and everybody would love on him. And so this was not just a loss of a baby. It was a loss of a baby that was part of our cred family. And obviously, you know, beyond, beyond innocent in this. And just seeing their strength, I just can't, if that was my you know, son or daughter, I just can't imagine how I would get up and keep moving the next day. I'm sure there are days when they probably think they can, but, you know, Yasmin is just this force of nature, almost supernatural strength. And Thomas is, is a survivor and they've found ways to, to stay together and, you know, have another child. And uh, they, you know, there's, I, I did worry, quite honestly, I worried tremendously how it would be for them to, to see this and to, to watch it. So we did do a lot of uh, prep. And the fact that their story was handed so, handled so honestly and exquisitely, it is beyond painful, um, but it's also beautiful. And I, I texted with Yasmin after the show and just said, what do you think? And she said, I'm so appreciative they kept my baby's name alive. And mm -hmm. as we know, so many children and so many you know, you know, young people of color, black folks just they get killed and they just just disappear into the ether. And you know, her name, her words are literally, you know, huge writing on the on the on the screen there behind the stage. And nobody will ever forget Sincere Gaston. And that only that's not something we had the power to do. That's something only someone with Anna's you know heart and, and genius and, and vision. Um, only she could do that. And so rather than it, you know, it's difficult. But I think it's incredibly healing and therapeutic uh, as well for them, and I'm in, in just extraordinarily grateful. It's it's a gift. It's a it's a gift that's that's priceless. Arnie, I want to keep, pick up on something you told us at the beginning of this conversation, which was you'd never been to an opera before, and we just heard um, Anna talk about Yasmin's uh, reaction to seeing someone perform her and her story. I would love to know your reaction as someone who was consulted with, you were an integral to this happening. Uh, leave aside the fact that you'd never been to an opera before. How did it feel to see your contributions there on the stage? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think I was integral. I, I would just repeat this. I just, 
down deep. I just trusted Anna. And so I just, we're an open book and we just, you know, whoever she wanted to talk to, whatever she wanted to do. Um, I didn't know everyone she had interviewed. So I, I was honestly a, a bit of a bit player here, um, but I was willing to take that risk because I trusted her so much. And it just made me watching it incredibly thankful to be able to do this work, just incredibly proud of our team. And it's, Anna's got some sense, this is the, the strongest, you know, most courageous, you know, group of the biggest collective heart that I've ever, I've been a part of some amazing teams in my life, but nothing, nothing's been, been close to this. And just for, for her to see that and understand that and see that portrayed on stage, it was, um, it was, it was, it was mind boggling to watch. And it was, he really a, a quote bit player. No, no, no. No, I mean, Arnie and uh, the other two walkers, uh, that would be Curtis Toller and then a person I call Preacher Man, who um, is uh, partially Craig Nash. Um, they are they walk us through the opera. They, they, they carry the themes. They carry the history. So Arnie's quite present. And uh, actually, the actor looks a lot like Arnie. <laughs> Um, so, uh, no, I would hardly say that, but one of the things I want to pick up when we talk about the team is, you know, I mentioned that, uh, Nicole Muhammad and Craig Nash came to see an early rehearsal to prepare, uh, Yasmin, uh, and, and Thomas, but, but she also said, she said, you know what? I'm actually equally as concerned about Miss Rochelle and Miss Rochelle is somebody who's a part of that team. And she said, cause Miss Rochelle taught that baby how to walk. And so that's just how much of a, a, a family this is. And I, I think that's really for me, one of the more unique things about my experience with Chicago cred is their belief in what they're doing and, and the care that they have. We quote, um, uh, uh, Senator Booker, um, Jonathan, and you may have heard him say this. I think it's really, really, uh, really, really relevant to Chicago credit. He says, black folks have to resurrect hope every day. And, you know, that's some people always come to my work. And jo uh, George Wolf, uh, a friend of mine, a director, says, baby, they come to my work to laugh and yours to cry. And so people always come backstage, say, where's the hope? Where's the hope? And so as a hope is this given thing. And it's not. And this is what I see in motion with the people that I've talked to uh, with Chicago Cred. People, one woman was, you know, uh, unable to make the interview you had scheduled because she'd been up all night, you know, trying to keep uh, a young individual from committing an act of violence. And so this resurrection, this constant vigilance, this uh, joy that you see in folks is amazing. And, uh, you know, lastly, I want to say that uh, I went over there the night of dress rehearsal and, and it was clear to me that the folks at Cred were getting all dressed up. I said, it's just dress rehearsal, just dress rehearsal. And one of the women showed me a photograph of the young men who were going to come to dress rehearsal, all dressed up, like in tuxedos. And she said, listen, the only time I get to see my boys dressed up is a funeral. And it's moments like that that you realize just how deep this problem is, just how vast the work uh, that, uh, that Arnie and the rest of the folks at Cred are doing to change lives. Yeah, you know, Arnie, there is a message. Go ahead, Arnie, were you? No, okay, so there, there is a message of hope um, for, for the city in the walkers. And I'm gonna read from the show description. It says um, that the epidemic of gun violence and the related crises of segregation, police abuse and gang violence will one day, will all one day end and that the community will finally find peace. What are Chicago Cred's next steps to attain these goals? 
or continue on the march of attaining these goals? Yeah. Well, when I, when I started this six and a half years ago, I was hopeful, but it was sort of a hope in the unseen <laughs> and a hope in what we could possibly do. And trust me, Jonathan, we make a lot of mistakes every single day. And we, you know, we're, make, we're building a plan as we fly it, so we don't have this all figured out. But six and a half years, my, my hope, and I'm extraordinarily hopeful, is grounded in reality and in the, in the transformation and what I get to see and just the stories of the young men and, our, and women in our program who have been shot multiple times, may have shot others, and to see what they're doing with their lives now and how they've transitioned from us into the world of work. It's, it's unbelievable to watch. But so there's a tremendous amount of heart in our work, but there's also a lot of you know, head and intellect. And we track the data very closely. The city was down 13, 14 percent last year in violence. We're still way too high. But on the, on the west side in the North Lawndale community, we're, we're, we're very deep and have been there for years and with some partners serving lots, a couple hundred men. Um, we're now uh, we're down 42, 43 percent. On the south side, we're down 32, 33%. So we're actually helping to drive down the city's level of violence and the most violent communities are driving the city's reduction. And so we are just actively trying to scale now, serve more over the past six years. We've served over a thousand, along with our partners, there's so many more that need these kinds of opportunities to, to heal, to have a life coach, to get clinical help, to get their high school diploma, to go into the world of work. And so we're just trying to scale as quickly as we can and three, four, five years from now, from now, we could be in a radically, radically different place. We just want to give our children their childhoods back. They've been robbed of that. They live with a level of fear and trauma that's extraordinary. It is never their fault. It's our fault as adults, and we have to we have to change that for them. You know, can I, um, Anna? I want to widen the aperture um, just a little bit uh, in the less than five minutes that we have left. You know, around the country, as I'm sure you're well aware, state leaders and legislators. Are advancing bills that restrict what children can learn in the classroom um, about history, race, gender. Um, what do you make of what is happening around the country? Why is this happening? Well, I mean, that's a really big question that isn't just about the legislators who want to, you know, for example, take Tony Morrison, my goodness sakes, uh, you know, out of curricula or 1619 project, the uh, way they've, you know, what they've done to talk, you know, it, 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 they've exploded ideas that, and, and taken them out of context. But it's, it's in so many ways, Jonathan, I think it's almost too much to try to talk about. I don't really know the answer because we just saw what happened with Stanford on the other side of it, of uh, students shouting down a, um, a speaker who'd come to speak. And so I think uh, I really need to talk to an ethicist and a historian, uh, a bigger brain than mine, to try to find out what is actually going on that on almost all sides we're afraid uh, we are afraid of expression. And what that means in the arts, of course, is very, very serious. Not just, it's very serious. And, and Arnie, as a former Secretary of Education, I would love to know your thoughts about this, about what's happening in classrooms around the country. Well, for me, it's pretty simple. Um, Jonathan, I've never seen a book kill anybody. I've never seen learning kill anyone far too often, including literally today as we talk, we have six more people killed at a school in Nashville, guns are killing people. And so when we choose to just make up things to, to fight against and create fear, um, we know what happens with book banning and book burning. We know the history there. We know the direct link, you know, literally back to Nazi Germany. And if we really, if we really honestly cared about our kids and our families, 
we would do something to save them from gun violence and not save them from, from knowledge and learning. Arnie Duncan, Anna Devere Smith, thank you both very much for coming to Capehart and Washington Post Live. The name of the opera is The Walkers. Uh, they're in Chicago. Congratulations, Anna, on yet another phenomenal work. I can't wait. I have not seen it. I cannot wait to see it. We got um, to get to Chicago. You know, I'm always looking for an excuse to get to Chicago. This I ran is... into you in the middle of the winter in Chicago. Do you remember that? No, in the yes, middle I remember. Of a I said, what are you doing in Chicago? Remember? No, <laughs> yes, I remember. It was it was MLK weekend. It was my husband's idea. He's like, hey, it's MLK weekend. Let's go somewhere. Where? Chicago. <laughs> it was the coldest. I've never known any place that cold or that much snow. And there you were in the middle of a restaurant. I was shocked. So yeah. if you could make it through a snowstorm, you could make it to see our opera. <laughs> come back out. I'm sure Anthony get you a ticket. And we'd love to have you come out and talk to our guys and meet our staff and, and sort of better amazing. understand the work. We, we, we would love to have you. That's an even better idea. Arnie Duncan. Anna Devere Smith, thanks again. Thank thanks you. So thanks for listening to K-Part. It's edited by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Thursday. I'm Jonathan K-Part. You can find me on Twitter at K-Part J.